The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shiel Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. The Thursday 10 coming to you on a Wednesday. I feel like we've only done the Thursday 10 on a Thursday like once, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> we'll keep the name, Thursday 10. Yeah. Uh, Thursday 10, it lived and died pretty quickly and immediately became just general <laughs> midweek 10. General midweek 10 questions. Mailbag edition. Again, I like doing the mailbag edition. We find out what's on the minds of the listeners, and as I've said before, gives me less work to do. I don't have to come up with uh, 10 prompts, so I'm always in favor of that on this Thanksgiving week. So we'll do some film review from the Colts game. We'll look ahead to the, the Packers game a little bit, talk some big picture topics. Benjamin, how are we doing? Are you, is, are you like wrapping up work for the week? Do you have like 10 other things to do today? What's your, uh, what's your mindset right now? Got this pod, got uh, the Simmons pod, and then I'm done. Yeah, did the preview pod. Yeah, so it's been, it's it's been five pods in three days and one article, and so it's just get all the the, the audio content out and then give my uh, my voice a rest over the long weekend. That's that's the, that's the goal. You've got a. I see. That's the thing is like after this, I just like chill. I got to pack and drive out, nice and easy, whatever. You've got four at, in the house right now. Is that right? Yeah, we got the nieces uh, in town plus my girls, and so I haven't. I barely seen anybody uh, for the week, so. After this, uh, Uncle Dad Sheil has to uh, has to kind of take over for a few days, especially because you know Thanksgiving. I'm going to be sitting here to my right watching all the games. Now people can shuffle in and out. I'll go out to the kitchen. I'll partake a little bit, but you know you're still good games on Thanksgiving. So uh, I got to get my time in rest of the day today, tomorrow morning before the games, and then Friday we'll have some downtime. So it's all good. I'm not going anywhere. It's all good. All right. 
Benjamin, are we ready to hit the Wednesday, Thursday, Thanksgiving 10? Yes. Let's do it. Thanksgiving 10. No, wait, that's also still. For a second, I thought it was going to alliterate, and no, it just still doesn't. Day before. All right. I feel like people have been texting Cliff and I or messaging Cliff and I about you. Like, you're very available. I mean, people can uh, tweet at you anytime they want. You give out what, what's People have e- been tweeting. <laughs> what's the email address? B, B, Solak. B at Spotify.com. I mean, it's public for everybody. It's in the Twitter profile. So listen, you don't need to go through Cliff and I to get to, to Ben. You know, you can just go right to Ben. All right, but Joey... Jojo Jr. asked a question. This was just one of many questions about this. I just picked Joey Jojo Jr. Because how can you not pick a Joey Jojo Jr.? He says, ask Ben, how, how is it possible to take the ball out of the QB's hands while asking him to throw and run multiple times on the game-winning drive? Now, this goes back to your, uh, your take after the game. We talked about it at length in the post-game pod. I don't know that that question uh, necessarily accurately describes what you were saying was happening. Right. So go on the record, you know, explain what your take was after the game, whether you still feel the same way now, days later, after watching the film about kind of what that last drive maybe said about Jalen Hurts or the offense or whatever. And then we can get into it more and we'll also talk about what the offensive film showed. Yeah. So after the Eagles game winning drive, I tweeted and I quote, <laughs> Eagles potentially escaping an ugly game with a win in a tight NFC East race. Good. But man, Hurts had a throwaway, a deep underthrow into defensive pass interference, and one completion on that drive. Eagles called runs all the way down the field. No trust in Hurts as a thrower on that drive. So there's two pieces here. There's one, the Eagles called runs all the way down the field. Four and a half minutes left, down by six. The second piece is, I infer from this that they don't trust Hurts as a thrower. Piece one has... People, people people are very upset about piece two, but piece one has also caused some problems. <laughs> I went to Stathead. I went to DriveFinder, right? All the way back 2001, which is the furthest back their DriveFinder goes. Drives uh, with five minutes or less remaining in the, in, the, uh, in, in the fourth quarter. Scoring margin of four to six, right? So field goal doesn't tie the game. Touchdown wins the game. By, and, I, and I sorted by number of rush plays. The Eagles drive is number one. In the in the last twenty one years, they called nine running plays on the on this drive. No other drive has ever had more than eight. Only two drives have had eight. Then the next is six. Two drives of six. Then the next highest is five. So, inarguably, the Eagles called substantially more runs than the average team calls in this context. Are you you cannot debate it. Okay, so that's piece one. Piece two, I said. No uh, trust in Hurts as a thrower on this drive. That was kind of what they were communicating. Other people argued, well, no, they were trying to run the clock out. I don't disagree with that. I don't agree with that. We talked about that on the on the uh, the Sunday postgame pod. They were running no huddle. They were snapping the ball with, with 20 seconds left on the clock. They weren't trying to eat clock. Other people said, well, A.J. Brown had a fumble. Quez Watkins had a fumble. They don't trust their receivers right now. I don't really think you 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 say, okay, well, we've had two fumbles in two weeks, so we can't throw the ball to our receivers anymore. Like, they threw to Quez touchdown like in, in, in last time they were in the red area after he fumbled against Washington so to me like that that's a little bit too frail uh people say like oh well the, you know the passing offense had really been struggling against the Colts they needed to run the football this I think is a little bit warmer the running offense was also really struggling against the Colts and so it's not like I think one was dominating and the other wasn't you had to go that direction but having watched it back on the film I would say well I still think that 
you know, it's pretty telling that they didn't call dropback passes for their quarterback. I think it indicates the level of uh, uh, where they think his strength is. They would much rather have him just tugging the football and running for three yards than in a position where he's dropping back, he's potentially taking a sack, he's potentially throwing a pick, he's not reading the playout correctly, yada, yada, yada. There is also a decent amount of the Colts play the, the Eagles passing game really well. Uh, watching this film back over the course of four quarters, the Colts were extremely tight to routes. I mean, like, the first play of this drive, as an example, Hurts throwaway on first and 10 from the 25. The Eagles just call shotgun play action sale, right? They get the jet motion across. What, Zach Pascoe to the flat, A.J. Brown at the intermediate level, and then I think it's Quez Watkins deep, right? It's just they, they run this all the time. Like, just three-level stretch, roll out to Jalen Hurts, one of their favorite plays. The Colts were all over this play all game. They knew it was coming every single time. They like busted on it once, and it was like an eight-yard Zach Pascal completion. But whenever the Eagles wanted to go flood, they they knew it. They knew the spacing. They were ready for the call. Like they saw Pascal, you know, really tight to line of scrimmage off the ball, and Zaire Franklin, middle linebacker, just pointing at it. So here it comes. We know it's coming. So the Colts were extremely tight to routes, and Hurts did, did what he could as a scrambler, threw the ball away a couple of times, right? Tried to check down. There was a. Uh, I, I would absolutely understand if there was a feeling on the offensive coaching staff once they got inside the, the Colts 30 to say, man, I mean, they've been they've been playing us tight man coverage the whole game. We barely had anybody open. Uh, it Let's see if we can just run the football. And that's what we've done really well over the course of the season. So I'm, I'm very happy to take a little bit of the, the blame pie off of Jalen Hurts plate. It's a little Thanksgiving reference for everybody in the season. Uh, and put it more on like receivers play, offensive play, design play. Uh, the Eagles have a very simple passing attack, and the Colts clearly knew the tendencies all game long. Um, with that said, I, I still like, you know, it's the most run heavy drive in this context we have seen in 20 years. And, and, and you know, people like, uh, I, I didn't say take the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands because they didn't. They gave him read options and, and, and RPOs and, and, and such like that. I do think that he was, when he had the ball in his hands in those contexts, in terms of like making read option decisions, he made some bad decisions in this game, right? So so uh, they certainly kept the ball in his hands in the sense that they used him in the running game. Um, but just so many other teams, almost universally, are calling drop back passes in these situations. The Eagles went under center handoff. It's like their fourth under center handoff of the year or something. You know, like, they just don't do this. Uh I think I think that's important. I don't think it means Hurts is a bad quarterback. I don't think it means Hurts hasn't had a good season. I don't think it means Hurts didn't win the game for them. He certainly did. He was an integral part of their two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. I do think that the Eagles have less faith in their quarterback in the passing game in these contexts than other teams and certainly other contending teams do. And I, I struggle to read anything less than that out of out of what we saw in, in that Colts game. Good win. A little bit of a telling drive. All right. So I was looking at it. You laid out your uh, case well there. I still disagree. I think I disagree more after watching it. I think it's a large conclusion to draw after what is a pretty small sample of plays when you look at the sequence of that drive. I mean, and you have to take the, you know, the previous drive you can take into account too. You know, the previous drive they knew they were, they were in that shoot. We have to pass the ball. We need to score, uh, you know, multiple times uh, in this game. And so their first touchdown drive of the fourth quarter, I mean, that there, he, he's literally the two biggest plays there are him scrambling for 23 yards and a 22-yard touchdown to Quez Watkins, two straight uh, passing plays that he, you know, whether you want to say put the team on his back or whatever. I mean, he made two great plays of over 20 plus yards on that game in a game where the offense wasn't doing anything. And then the last drive, I mean, they start in their own territory and they start the drive with three straight passes because at that time they don't know 
all right, how much time do we have? Are we going, we might need another drive if we don't score here. And so we are in that mode. And so they were starting the drive the way you would expect them to, dropping back and passing. After they get that defensive pass interference, well, now to me, the situation totally shifts. Now you're at the Colts 28-yard line with two minutes and 42 seconds left. And so the next two plays, they call a run on first down that's successful and a run on second down that's successful. So those are two run plays. And now you're at the Colts 17-yard line. So like you're basing this on, on these on this on these like seven plays from the Colts 17 yard line where you need a touchdown to win. They didn't pass the ball there. And that's why they don't have faith in Jalen Hurts as a passer. I mean, when you break it down, like I know you can say, all right, nine straight runs, but when you break it down like that, all right, you know, I don't think anyone would argue after the defensive pass interference, you call two runs and they get a first down that that says anything about anything. And then you have another series, another first down. And so, uh, at that time, you know, you're, you're at the 17, you, a touchdown wins you the game. It doesn't tell anything to me, and especially some of those runs in there were RPOs. I know you said that uh, there, there was the under center run, but there were two or three that were certainly RPOs uh, in there, and so that's a decision yeah. that the quarterback there has to make. There was one in which you should have pulled it. Jack Stoll walks in for a touchdown, and okay. it was a clear pull read and throw the football, and he gave it. Uh, Boston Scott was the second and seven run, I want to say. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely, like, to me, like, that argument, like, there's a lot of people who got upset with me and they're like, wow, you've always hated Jalen Hurts and also I hate the look of your face, so you're an idiot. And I don't really think that's a great counter response. That counter response where you you parcel out this drive and you say, okay, when they were on the 25, they're throwing the football. Obviously, you got to throw the football. And then you get into the 28-yard line. You get, you get Indianapolis 28. And then you think, you know what? Like, they're going to give us some light box looks, which they really didn't. People were like, oh, it's light boxes. They weren't really light boxes. They were playing with, like, no safety over the top. Uh, but, like, oh, you're going to get some some run looks. Like, you like your ability to, to hammer the football, and you feel like you have plenty of time. You have two timeouts, so if the clock starts to get out of hand, you can get it back under control. Okay, like, I, I can hear that. Like, I still think then there's coaching errors. Like, why are you going no huddle and leaving 20 seconds on the clock? You should be taking yes. the clock down further if that's going to be your theory. So, like, all right, maybe, maybe it's a coaching error that's there. And then, okay, once you get the first down, uh, you know, first and 10, second and six, you get those two runs, you get to first and 10. All right, now you're definitely in drain the clock mode. Colts are going to start using their timeouts. Like, okay, like I can kind of get there. They still end up having to convert a fourth and two. And and I think this is, this is so important. Like, this has to be restated. They were not in a position where a field goal won the game. If they kicked a field goal, they were losing the game. They were, they were not going to win. That... Like, like when, when teams start behaving this way, like run the clock, use all four downs, make the other team use their timeouts, usually a, a score, a field goal, is guaranteed to at least extend the game. The Eagles were not in that context. Again, like, if, if, if we read into this, the coaching staff was just like, yeah, it, we want to use four downs to get 10 yards. To me, that's a massive coaching mistake. You have any the number of things that can go wrong on a third and four, a fourth and two? Now you're in a fourth and seven? What if somebody had false started on the little pre-two-minute warning play? What if there was a bad snap, like like Jason Kelsey had a Jalen Hurts in a similar context earlier in the game, right? Like, to me, that's that's in, that's wild coaching. And that's why just uh, bringing up the other drives is so important. It's like, even if we want to say, you know what, like, I don't think this is an indictment on Jalen Hurts at all. Uh, to me, like, I can see how you can argue yourself into that. I, I, I tend to see it a different way. I don't think it's like the coaching staff in, in closed doors, like, wow, we really hate this guy. I just think it's, they're like, hey, like, we we're not this sort of a team. We're not a passing team in this context. And I think that's a very important thing to note because relative to league history, so many other teams are like th this drive was starkly remarkably different 
than how the average team behaves in this context. That means something. It can't mean nothing, right? And so if you want to say it doesn't mean something about Jalen Hurts, it means like Sirianni wants to run the clock this way. And like people were like, oh, you don't want to give the Colts the ball back. It's Matt Ryan and you've given up 16 points. Like I don't understand why you're scared of them, but whatever. Like it, it just, uh, this drive is so different. But is that a revelation? Teams- like, uh, like we've been talking for 10 weeks and haven't we most weeks been like, all right, the strength of this team, all right, they, they scheme stuff up. They've got the RPOs. They use Jalen Hurts as a runner. His scrambling is part of it. And then they go to AJ Brown or, you know, Dallas Goddard or Devonte Smith to win one-on-one. So I guess that to me, like if that's the point that their strength is more the other stuff and not, Hey, just drop back and, you know, throw the ball like you're Tom Brady. Like I would agree with that. I just disagree that this specific instance told us anything more about that than we already knew. I absolutely think it's a revelation because this is the first time we've seen the Eagles run this drive. The Eagles have not been in a position losing the game late to potentially go ahead, save for the end of the Washington game, but they went three and out. I believe they went three and out. Don't 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 quote me on that. But they didn't generate any movement, right? They didn't, they didn't like actually have a chance to go downfield and score and like yeah. take the lead late. So this that's that's the whole thing with this team is that they're nine and one. They've had so many like huge second quarters and they just kind of sit on the ball in the second half. It's like what do they look like here? Like, like I'll, I'll put it to you this way: every single coaching staff that faces the Eagles from this moment on out is going to build as part of their defensive game plan. What do the Eagles look like in two minutes when they have to score a touchdown? And this is what they're going to be going off of, which is very different than what other teams do. Like, it's just, it's like, I, I, perhaps I am overreacting to it in the sense of like, let's make conclusions. I, I allow for that. I like to make conclusions off things and podcasts where I want to talk about things and have opinions and whatever. It, it is, it, we, I don't think we can fairly say that this drive was we, as we expected the team to behave. I don't, I don't like even knowing that they're a better running team than they are a passing team, even knowing that they're an RPO and a, a read option team. I don't think uh, if you had asked me before the game, yeah, Eagles down by six, four and a half minutes left. What are they going to do? I going to say, oh, throw the football. That's what every team does in this context. And the moment the Eagles had a chance not to, they took it. I think that's notable. I don't, I don't know how to not let that be notable, especially relative to like the data of other drives in similar contexts. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just go back to how they started the drive. They started the drive passing the ball when they knew they had to go to the length of the field. And then I think the situation and the circumstances changed. So I wouldn't have been uh, you know, surprised if you told me that's how it's played out. I mean, when they've had to you know, string together drives, even though it's not in this exact situation, like that drive against the Cardinals, I mean, they were Right, you know, it was like a 17 play drive earlier. In that's the that's a little bit of double counting. Every drive that's strung together is a drive with running plays because passing plays are explosive plays and the drives are faster and you score. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll put it to you this way fourth and two, Jalen Hurts gets stopped. How many Eagles fans are screaming from the rooftops how we didn't give Jalen Hurts a chance to throw the football into the end zone? Every single one of them. I don't know about that. Fourth and two. I want an option where Jalen Hurts no, no, can no, no, run not, the football. Not on, not on fourth and two. I'm saying on, once they got to the Colts 28. Oh, They called all? run, 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 RPO, run, and maybe. then run. Yeah. Uh, not, not maybe. If, if, if they got inside the 28 down a touchdown, ran the football the whole time, took the timeout on fourth and two, and then didn't get it. I mean, I, people would be up in arms that they didn't attempt to pass. That's Absolutely. probably that's, true. That's expectation. That's probably true, but but he did score on the. I mean, I, I know right, it's so process now, now over it's results. results. Now it's results based. Now it's like, oh well, they scored, so it's okay. I don't know. They got to a fourth down, game deciding play. It's not where you want to be. I don't know that they would have got completely killed for that. Honestly, if it on you know you you're you're running the clock, you get to fourth and two, you give him a chance to to run the football in. 
And if he got stopped there, you're right. I mean, it would have obviously been a bigger discussion. Uh, I disagree with the aspect of drawing uh, lofty conclusions based on seven plays there after they got into Colts territory. So, all right, good discussion, good follow-up. All right, we can, so listen, any more, any further questions at Ben B. Solak at Spotify? Yeah, listen, I have people me. I trust who agreed with you that, you know, said, yeah, no, I think it does say something. So I don't think everybody is against you. There, yeah. There's a vocal just group. Just actually please at me. Okay. Don't just post photos of, of my profile picture. Oh, do people? I didn't know people hate, do yeah, that. Right, That's okay, dumb. Right, right, yeah, right. don't do that. Then people are sending me, and I'm like, I don't care whether my mom's upset. Just, yeah, just, don't just do that. respond to me. Yeah, we'll be a grown-up. Yeah, yeah. Be a grown-up. Have a discussion. I agree. All right. There was that. The rest of the offensive film here, I'm looking at what stood out to me. Uh, the The... Way the Colts played the zone read, I thought was interesting in this game. Yep. You know, the I thought two things stood out to me, and I wonder if you saw uh, other stuff or want to talk about counters. But one was having that edge defender really slow play it, where he stays square to the line of scrimmage and doesn't you know crash on the running back, doesn't necessarily take the quarterback, kind of waits for Hertz to make the decision and then makes a play on it. Uh, they had success with that, and I thought that led to some of the confusion you were talking about with Hertz's uh, decision making there. Now that's a concept that any team can try. Uh, it's not always the easiest, but I thought the Colts did a really good job with that. And then the scrape technique that we talked about uh, after the game where, you know, Ngakwe or whoever the edge defender is just says, all right, I'm going to go kill the running back. And then I have a linebacker right here waiting for Jalen Hurts. I thought that gave the Eagles some issues in this game uh, as well, leading to some of those, uh, some of the confusion with the decision-making. Anything else you saw yeah. or anything specific with those techniques? Yeah, so the, uh, the the thing that's really important here is the way that the Colts got the extra body that they needed to get on that, that read option side was twofold. Firstly, they rotated the safety down to the back, right? So, okay, the Eagles line up. They're going to run zone read. How do you know which way they're going to run zone read? To the left or to the right? How do you know which side? Depends on where the back is, right? Uh, it, you, like if, if the, back, the Eagles are going to be in the shotgun, which means that the back's going to be to Jalen Hurts' right uh, or to his left, but it's hypothetical to the right. Okay, they have to now run zone read to the right because they, 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 Hertz can't turn to his left and fake a hand. There's nobody there. And the Eagles are a low pre snap motion team and they're a low two back backfield team, which means that they don't have the ability to like send a guy across the field, like give him a little jet touch and, and, and punish you for this, like get to the other side of the formation. They don't have the ability to put two backs back there and kind of get one guy's a lead. Like they can't, when they're in shotgun run, they can't really hide the direction they're heading. So the Colts said, all right, wherever the back is, we're rotating the safety down to that side. We're rotating strong, right? There's one easy way the Eagles can help hide that, and that's running the pistol, which occasionally yeah. they run, they, they line up in pistol. They had a pistol snap in this game. And what pistol is, is pistol is shotgun, but instead of the back being to the quarterback's right or left, he's behind the quarterback. And now we can run zone read to the right or zone read to the left. It changes the timing a little bit, so it has to be something that they have installed. I don't know if it is, but it would be useful for them to get that in the building. The other thing would be running more two-back stuff, which I think, you know, when Goddard was healthy, I would have been like, now nah, it's kind of a waste. Now, like, you know, you're kind of, you're already playing Jack Stoll. Like, you might as well just, you know, put Gainwell and Sanders on the same field and kind of, you know, uh, see if you, if you can do some cheesy stuff with formations. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is that, all right, if we're rotating the safety down to the back, then the safety away from the back, weak side of the formation, 
has got to go climb. He's got to go be the be the deep middle safety, right? He has to have he's going to have a, a larger responsibility, a larger area to be responsible for because of that rotation. You got to be able to kill weak side coverage. Then you have to be able to win if you're going to get a one on one on the weak side. You have to be able to say, okay, if they're going to, if they're going to rotate strong, then we're going to take our one on one on the backside. That's where you need your AJ Brown wins, your Devonte Smith wins, which the Eagles certainly had those outside stop routes. But they like to run those like out of like two receiver sets, out of like empty sets. They probably need to find more of like a three by one, you know, two by one sort of looks where they're able to get that that X receiver isolated and really really force that one on one punish teams for rotating the safeties that way. Last note is that if you want to do this, your defensive tackles need to be really good. Like other teams could walk out with this exact same blueprint to a T and lose on the interior runs and all the running back handoffs because Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner were just kicking tail. I mean, yes. for four quarters, this was like, since I said Landon Dickerson's been playing well, he's had some, some rough yes. games. This was a, this was a rough Landon game. Uh, Landon was struggling. Sam Malo is, 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 is a fine player. He's not built for Grover Stewart business that yeah. grover's a different cat in terms of size and then kelsey's always struggled with guys who are that big right and so you can you could also like you know the the packers could just walk out and do this exact same thing they won't because they don't run the same fronts but if they did the eagles would be perfectly fine the, the exact same problems yeah. if they'd be fine because they'd win their interior blocks and then sanders would rip off five yard runs six yard runs instead of two yard runs three yard runs so you also need like to have those cats up front and not every team does yeah, I think Dickerson and Sayamalu taking L's was definitely a big part of this game. Again, those are very good defensive tackles, like you mentioned, Buckner uh, and Stewart, but that was certainly a part of this. When I was writing down what went wrong with the offense, I mean, the few things I had uh, written down here was, one, I, I think the Colts having a beat on some of the Eagles stuff, uh, which you alluded to in the beginning, was absolutely a part of this game, whether it was the uh, flat RPO, whether it was some of the zone read stuff, whether it was the uh, three-level stretch, uh, like you mentioned, there were there were a lot of instances where there was just like, all right, that, that play's dead. They've got it covered. And so uh, I think those change-ups are important. We saw some of them after the bye week. I think they're going to continue to be important, but that was certainly a factor in this game. They played discipline. They were well-coached. They kind of knew what was coming on some of these plays. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and then there was the self-inflicted stuff, which which we probably didn't touch on as much in the post-game pod as you know, looking back at the film. I was like, ooh, they really just kind of uh, crushed themselves in a number of instances. I mean, they're in Colts territory, and then I think they have the three penalties where they go from first and ten from like yeah. the Colts that, thirty-four. That or something. OPI is oh my gosh, me off for a why Tyree Jackson fall down though? Why did he fall down? I was watching it going. He brought attention to himself falling the, down. The the did he trip? the the Eagles <laughs> fell down a ton in this game. Yes. I don't know what the cleat versus. I don't. I don't. I don't recall. It's what Lucas, Lucas Oil, Oil Stadium. You're not playing like yeah. outside. I was. Yeah, they did fall yeah, down a lot. I, I, my lot. I had a slip on a run yes. that would have been like a 15, 20 plus yard Sanders run. Devonte slipped coming out of his break on the first, third, and long pass attempt. Like the Eagles were constantly falling which like all right who cares it matters like your equipment manager <laughs> some of the most important players dudes on your team in terms of like you go on, on on a road game and it takes you three series to figure out what cleats what spikes everybody should be wearing like Devontae had to change shoes at one point in, in in this season i can't remember if he like blew out a shoe or not but like this this stuff accumulates this stuff matters uh so the eagles were constantly uh slipping around and that was a big part of that that tyree thing but i mean the nickel collisions tyree he turns and yeah, pushes Jackson. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he initiates the contact and then he gets, there's an OPI flag. H horrendous. I understand wanting to pay attention to that relative to the Eagles offense, but you have to watch the play. 
you know, there's contact. There's contact on yeah. every single play beyond five yards. Use some discretion. Uh, it bothered me so much. Yeah, if he did, I, I almost feel like if he didn't fall down, it wouldn't have brought any attention to it, and it would have been fine. It was kind of a weird, funny-looking mm-hmm. play. Not funny for Tyree Jackson. Funny for me to say, I guess, as I watched the film. So there was that. That turns a potential field goal drive into a first and 35 in your own territory. So that was one drive. Uh, Kelsey having the bad snap in the red zone. I mean, I think they were inside the 10. I think they were at the five-yard line. Uh, that kind of screwed them there on another one. The A.J. Brown fumble, they were driving into Colts territory. So uh, that was some self-inflicted stuff that, you know, the Colts stuff aside, they easily could have had more points in this game if they didn't screw up some of those things. I'm glad you mentioned the wide receivers winning one-on-one because it was very hot and cold in this game. You know, early on, you're watching it going, all right, A.J. Brown's going to have like 150 yards in this game, and then he doesn't get another look until later. Devontae Smith has that stretch where he owns that whole possession where he's just running comebacks uh, on the left side and winning every time. But there were also times in this game where they didn't win those one-on-ones. And I think when a team like the Colts are going to play your run that aggressively, I mean, Rodney McLeod, this is like better than any game he's had as an Eagle in years, I felt yeah, like. Right. I mean, he was playing downhill uh, against the run. And so when they're going to play single high safety, you feel like with Brown and Devontae Smith, you're going to win those matchups. But they, they took some shots downfield uh, if you remember early in this game and they did not connect I almost felt like they should have gone back to that a little bit more uh, throughout the course of the game so that stuck out to me uh, as well there as another reason so it was a variety of things I came away a little less concerned after watching the film than I did watching it live that there's some like you know I don't want to say blueprint, but that like they're in this big uh, sort of rut here. I mean, even that fumble with Jalen Hurts to start the second half, you know, you, you were mentioned after the game, maybe they could have just run the ball there. I mean, they Quez beats Kenny Moore there. I mean, I, I'm with you. It felt like... I don't, I, I don't, I, I said I wanted to run just because, like, I I very much wanted them to right, the running just to game in that get settled. Half. Yeah, but no, that that play is open. It works. Like, yeah, to me, like watching that back, that's still on on Hurts, and like that's not like a big one where it's on Hurts where you're like, oh no, he's bad. It's like this is like a, a situational drop. It's like a particular shot play. It requires like a, a unique understanding, like of like how you want need to execute this drop. Yeah, and he just wasn't, I think, on time with that the way the coaching staff would hope he is. Uh, whatever like you know like, like happens, that's the sort yeah. of play yeah in week four that was ending with like hurts escaping the sack and scrambling for a two-yard <laughs> gain now it ends with a fumble that the colts recovered that's the luck aspect of this all right where it's just like you know yeah you know, little, little mistaken execution the eagles have have escaped a lot of those and then sometimes you get punished for a lot of those yeah he seemed a little casual i don't know i know i know sirianni i think yeah blamed sanders after the game which i stick with what we said after the game i mean sanders on ngakwe he did about as good of a job as you expect the back to do in that spot and quez watkins runs away from kenny moore so he had a chance uh there and then the last thing with the i mean the Miles sanders usage is a little like weird to me you know even that last drive mm-hmm. like you're going to Boston Scott in that drive. There was another series where they're throwing, I think, a, a screen to Boston Scott, and then they're running Kenny Gainwell on third and two. I'm just like a little confused. You know, I think Sanders has played pretty well this season. I think he's improved in terms of, hey, go where the play is designed. Don't always bounce it, that kind of thing. And it's still strange to me that they don't kind of use him uh, a little bit more, especially in those high leverage situations. So that was something else that stood out to me in this game. Yeah. I, you said that you felt a little bit better. I felt a little bit worse. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, like, uh, the Eagles have five passing concepts and the Colts knew a man. I mean, like, you watch these Colts corners play 
all, uh, waiting for the stop route at the sticks. You watch the uh, you watch them play, waiting for like that flood concept, that sail concept we were talking about. You see the way that they're they're playing the RPO stuff, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, they Eagles are tipping pitches, and you can be a good pitcher and tip pitches, but it's gonna catch up to you, right? It's gonna be that second game of the World Series where the Phillies hit all those home runs because they knew what the pitcher was doing. Making a making a Philly sports reference here. Uh, third. Third, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right? No, no. So what's the second? No, it was in Houston, wasn't it? No, no. They lost game two. They won game three. Yeah, McCullers, uh, game three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. game three. So, <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's just this is where like now the rubber meets the road for like Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni. Like Shane's gotten a lot of like, hey, you know, future head coach, a great play caller, and like he's been so good at this the series play calling stuff. So important, like build the the wrinkles off the wrinkles. But yeah, like the, the Colts just, and they're well-coached defense, they're a talented defense, they're a great defense. The Eagles aren't going to play great defense every week, but the Colts just kind of knew what was coming down the pipe, and they were able to yeah. get, get tight to it. Like I said, they played very tight to routes. Uh, Hurts, huge, deserves massive flowers, which, you know, apparently I don't praise Hurts ever, but like on the Quez Watkins touchdown throw, two plays previous, they have a very similar concept. The Colts are tight to those routes. Hurts doesn't take it, ends up scrambling and throwing the football away, and then comes right back to it and says, I mean, I just got to throw this thing, right? And Quez gets enough separation that it's still a safe throw and he gets into the end zone. But Hurts is basically saying, all right, like I, I, it, Hurts made a decision late where he, like in that drive, where he was like, I'm just going to trigger and rip it. Like I, just, I have to, you know what I'm saying? Like this is window isn't as big as I like for it to be. And Hurts really likes big windows, but I, I, I'm going to throw this football. Uh, and that's, that's a very mature decision because that's, as the season gets longer, those windows are going to get tighter. You play playoff defenses, and you, you kind of put out enough film that teams know what concepts you like when Pascal's at this position, when Quez is on the line of scrimmage, when you're in first and ten, like kind of all this stuff. The screen passes were such a big part of it. I mean, the Colts were right. sniffing out every single screen. They know when they're coming. Like, you're now going to have to make more window throw or more tight window throws, excuse me. Uh, and for her to make that Quez throw, I think it was an important signal of what he can, he can become as he, he says, all right, like it's time for me to just point and shoot. Yeah, the change-ups are going to be a big part about what we talk about the uh, rest of the season. It's not like you double the volume in your playbook, but you have to find ways to not be in those situations where you're that predictable, where the defense can get a bead on what you're doing. All right, let's take a break, and we'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you... You should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And 1, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Oh my gosh, Benjamin, we spent like 30 minutes on the first question of Thursday 10. We're going to call your family. We got to call our families. We're not going to be home for Thanksgiving. Uh, We're still, we're going to be on like number nine at that time. All right, let's get to number two. Pat the Glove says, did you guys see any adjustments on tape from Gannon after the first drive? I'm sure there were some, but it also just looked like guys were winning their matchups. Curious as to what changed, more scheme, or are Joseph and Sue just that much better than Tui Pelotu and Williams? Uh, Some of the things I had down here. You touched on the run blitzes after the game. Absolutely a big part of this. Where What I liked about this Gannon performance is it was, I know what you want to do as an offense, and I'm going to try to not let you do what you want to do. And that start, you know, the run blitzes, Josiah Scott was in there. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was in there. Marcus Epps was in there creating negative plays. Linville Joseph, I mean, I was like stunned at how well he played, that you can just yeah. find, find somebody uh, before... Week 12, I mean, I've heard others make the argument, and I would agree that he played as well as any Jordan Davis game uh, this year. I mean, the way he was just holding the line of scrimmage, making plays, shedding blocks, really just kind of fortified uh, their run defense. Now, this is a little misleading because Joseph is only on there on rundowns, but when he was out there, the Colts carried 16 times for 38 yards, averaging 2.38 yards per carry. And that's Ryan Kelly, who I don't think he's having a great season, but he's one of the highest paid centers uh, in the NFL. So that, that's not like just some um, you know guy that they threw out there, a backup center or anything. So I thought uh, he played fantastic in this game. Uh, anything else stood out to you with whether the adjustments after the first drive or ha- how those guys played or anything else? Yeah. Linval, man, what the heck? <laughs> Linval would, listen, like this, whatever Linval Joseph ate, from 2021 to now, 2022, whatever like workout programs to him, whatever secret sauce he's found, man, because he was on the Chargers 2020, 2021. And this is the exact player the Chargers have needed to make this defense work. Yeah. He was there last year. Yeah. Wasn't doing this, man. Wasn't going nearly as well as this. Um, if you're going to make like a Gannon good coach argument, it's what it's like if he gets this out of Linval every week when like it really seemed like Linval didn't have this left in his in his tank, man. I mean, that's like that's good coaching. I don't like, you know, maybe, maybe it's, um, I can't recall the name of the Auburn, the ex Auburn defense attack was the Eagles defensive line coach, but like, you rocker, know, whoever it is, rocker. rocker. Thank you. Uh, this is the, the, the Linval play was astounding, man. Like legitimately, it's like, he didn't lose a rep. This is, uh, this is huge. It's huge. Uh, he for, was for, killing him. Ryan yeah. Kelly was on the ground like multiple Constantly. times in this game. Yeah. It was, uh, now, I, I would say it's more yeah. of a case that, uh, players over like, 29 they really don't need to practice they don't need training camp they don't need the spring just let those guys chill take it easy on them let them rest their bodies and come in and play and by the way listen the thing we argued about a month ago now i'm not going to spike the football on this because it was only one game but i said two gapping nose tackle you go down to the wawa i can come back with one and uh (laughs) it could be fine so listen it was only one game you can shove this in my face if the packers run for uh one so i'm not spiking the football there but like i have it in my hand yeah 
When I, it, it's it's great for no Davis. It's great for for when Davis comes back and you actually have depth and you have rotation and like and like a mentor. I don't know if mentor is the right word, but it feels like he could you know just have very him much next so, yeah. to him because, will be helpful. Yeah, yeah. like I said, like Linval's got just like a great knack for this position more than Davis does yes. in his first year as a pro, which is very excusable. Um, but yeah, he he you know he understands what what he's going through. Uh, so the Linval thing was 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 a big part of it, and then yeah. Uh, with Linval, with Sue, now Fletch and Hargrave and Davis, they just they have enough versatility with those guys. Like Hargrave's able to play over the nose, and Sue's able to play like defensive end, right? Like that inside the tackle position where they can just like hide their fronts a little bit more, which is really, really nice. Getting rid of that silo is important. Um, I know we have a question about uh, TJ Edwards later, but like uh, I think the only issues that, that I still have with their run defense is a little bit of the way that second level is playing. Uh, with that said, no, they, they, they made good adjustments. This, this, this was a Gannon flowers game. It really was, uh, in terms of, of getting some of the blitz stuff looking and like changing their fronts, changing the picture, get like, they, they, they figured out after that first drive, like, right, the Colts are just going to run it on us if they can. We yeah. have to find ways to trap them in their run looks, get them to a second along. And then when they were in their passing situations, they were really good. Colts got them with the play action pass. Colts got them with like the pass in a run look a couple of times. And that's always going to be an issue for this defense because it's so run pass oriented, trying to predict what you're going to do. Um, but all together, no, a, a, a Gannon Flowers game for sure. That Marcus Epps play is like so underrated. I feel like when you watch that, I mean, he's in the box. He takes on the right tackle. He sticks his nose in there. I mean, he is a, he is a wants the smoke, regardless of what you think about him. He is a wants the smoke uh, type of player where he is not afraid to get in there. I mean, there are a bunch of bodies that are bigger than him. He gets right in there, plays to the whistle, strips the football. Colts are approaching field goal range there. Uh, that was a big time play by Epps. I thought this was uh, Brandon Graham. I thought this was one one of his best games uh, of mm-hmm. the season. He he was very active and played very well in this game. So yes, good job uh, all around there. Um, and those are some of the things they can do if they, you know, if you want to make adjustments, if you know the team wants to run the ball, whether you play more of your five down, whether you run blitz more, do those things that they did here. You don't just let them sit there and run the football on you. All right. Question number three, Mike. I will Ab- say real quick, because I'll get yelled at for this if I don't. Very good apps game. Very high quality Epps game. Epps played really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike asks, are there any stopgap solutions to soothe the pain of the Goddard injury? They were holding penalties on Stoll and Jackson. Can any of them step up? Should they target Devontae Smith more? What do you say? Yeah, there's no stopgaps for this Hurts thing, man. Or for this Goddard Goddard, thing, excuse me. Uh, Yeah, Stoll Stoll ain't it. (laughs) Uh, Calcaterra ain't it. Tyree... It's tough. It's just not, you know, like I think Derry's like a, an interesting player to have around. It's just like he's first game back, he's tied in three. Like it's just not, it's not a, a spot where you want to be in. Um, and then using Pascal tight to the formation, something we talked about last week. I mean, it, it works because he's a quality blocker and it works in the RPO game. But every time he was tight, the Colts said, hey, well, we know what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the, the Colts are pretty common. Okay, once number three is like in this bunch, he's like kind of lined up where a tight end usually is. Okay, they, they want to get their little underneath RPO game going, their little underneath play action game going. He's their best, you know, yards after catch guy who can also block. So there's this is just the Goddard play. Like they got they 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 there was no deceit there. Uh in terms of like so stop gap kind of implies can we run the same offense and just like fill the 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 void? I don't think you can. I think you gotta change some more stuff up they i i think you know we saw more qb run from spread formation this game than we saw in games previous i don't think that's a mistake i think they said okay instead of goddard blocking one for one in the box we're just going to put quez Watkins in the slot have him run a bubble and pull the guy out of the box that way and kind of live it live in that world it wasn't super good 
they, their QB runs were, were pretty solid, but obviously like just the running game from that spread look was tough because the Colts defensive line is so good. I wouldn't be surprised if they stick to that more spread, more three wide receiver, you know, they'll even run like, you know, some 10 personnel, maybe hopefully some 21 personnel, right. Get, get Gainwell in there. They line them up at why they did that a couple of times, uh, spread the field out and then run your quarterback run game, run your read option game from there. And I think they'd have a lot more success with that when they're not playing the Colts defensive line. So I think you started to see what the change in the offense is going to be in the post Goddard era. Uh, against the Colts. It just didn't look too pretty because the Colts are really good. I think it'll look prettier week after week. Yeah, and they really leaned into, I think the second half, every snap was in 11 personnel until the kneel down. Uh, on, on True Media, it said 32 out of 33 snaps in 11 personnel, and I think that was the last snap. So, yeah, I think they kind of realized, all right, you go into the game with a plan, but let's just uh, let, let's move away from that a little bit. Just in terms of who works, what parts of the field, I mean, A.J. Brown is really just going to have to be a beast in the middle of the field. You don't have that option with Goddard. And then they took some shots with Quest Watkins downfield in this game, which was smart, which I think they will continue to do. But I, I'm with you. Yeah, there's no, you're not just going to replace an all-pro tight end who could do the things that Goddard did there. All right. Question number four. A.L. Saylor asks, your opinions of T.J. Edwards' performance. PFF ranked him very high. I appreciate how hard he has worked, but I think his ceiling is not high, as high as N'Kobe Dean's. I think Dean would add a needed dynamic, especially with Avante Maddox out. There were actually a lot of questions about N'Kobe Dean not, uh, not getting on the field, which I understand everyone was excited about that pick and wants to see him. But uh, Ben, your thoughts on how TJ Edwards has performed and whether there should be a role for N'Kobe Dean on this defense. It's, it's, it's just weird. Like the good Edwards plays in this game, right? It was, they're throwing that little swing screen to, to, to Jonathan Taylor, right? And and Edwards is, is you know, he's going to widen out, right? He's going to get away from the center of the formation as Taylor moves. And then he's going to be that, that extra body that comes downfield to make the tackle. And he's unblocked. He meets Taylor right at the line of scrimmage. Right? And Taylor catches it and he makes the tackle. So it's a good, good play. This is like exactly what N'Kobe did in Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to make the case for like N'Kobe over Edwards, if the impact plays you're getting from your linebacker are like on constraint plays, on screens, on stuff to the flat, like he's like quick to it. He's making the tackle. He's explosive. Like that's what N'Kobe is good at. That's, that's what Nakobe's definitely already bringing to the table. Where Nakobe might be deficient, where TJ Edwards isn't, is like size, the ability to take on blocks, right? Block deconstruction and, 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 and like reading out plays and stuff like that. And Edwards doesn't really make a lot of splash plays there. Like Edwards makes tackles between the tackles, but it's not like he's like making them at the line of scrimmage, beating a block to get there. Usually he's just like, getting to his spot back is coming to him. Like Washington, this was a big problem where like Edwards would get to the gap and then let Brian Robinson come to him. And like, he's like trying to play it slow, make sure he's in the right gap, move if Robinson moves, but you're just, you're, you're costing yourself yardage by not kind of stepping up and being like, like that, that dynamicism, right? The, 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 the questioner, the, the, uh, the asker is, was referring to that explosiveness, right? To be able to get downhill with that said, like, I think that that's where Gannon wants to live, right? I think like it, I think it's Gannon telling us he's fine with that, right? Gannon was asked about Edwards this week and was like, the first thing out of his mouth was, uh, in our defense, you guys know that's a thinking position. He basically said, like, in our defense, like, the mic has to just be r wicked smart. If, if we just trust the mic to be where he's supposed to be and to figure plays out, then, like, even if he's not, like, making, like, you know, zero-yard tackles, line of scrimmage, one-yard stops, TFLs, he's, like, kind of only making his splash plays when he's playing into the boundary, then, like, we're cool with that because we just need him to be smart. We need him to get into the right look and everything like that, which like I buy it 66% in terms of like, he's got to read two gaps. He's got to scrape. Like he's got to do ball fits. Like, like being 
the linebacker in a odd front, like, you know, if it's five down front, like a non-Jim Schwartz front is actually tough. Because if you're a linebacker on a Jim Schwartz front, you find one gap and then you go and you're responsible for that gap. You do have to do way more thinking in the run. And then because they run like match quarters and everything, you have to do a lot of things in the past. Like I do hear all of that. Pre-snap, he doesn't do anything, right? The Eagles just line up. You know, they don't run stunts. They don't run blitzes, right? They don't like change their looks off of motion. It's all very, very simple in terms of like what they do pre-snap. So it's not like you need like a coach on the field to be like, check, you know, check the box. Like, this, this. like the Eagles are very simple in terms of their checks relative to other NFL defenses. So I do largely bought like when Gannon says that's a thinking position and in saying so says like I need TJ Edwards who's smart as a veteran has seen it before over to Kobe Dean who might be more dynamic but probably is going to make more rookie mistakes I buy that like to a degree it's enough that it's not an issue but it is a little bit like okay yeah but you know you could you could probably find a way to get a Kobe on the field if you really wanted to yeah, he hasn't needed to. I mean, I, you don't just force a rookie onto the field if you don't think he's ready and you don't think he's going to be an upgrade. I mean, I, I think Edwards has played better than, you know, maybe you you described there. I mean, he's top five among linebackers in tackles. He's top five among uh, linebackers in pass breakups. He's top 10 in pressures. He's done a lot of different things. He's always in the right place. Uh, and I, I'm not somebody who came into the season and was like, oh, yeah, TJ Edwards, uh, every down player. I love this guy. He's underrated. I mean, I wasn't uh, probably quite as far out on him as you were, but I was like, yeah, okay player who you probably want to upgrade as soon as you have someone who's better than him. And that hasn't been how he's played this year. I mean, he has played really well. Ben, you know, uh, Ben Fennel on Twitter, who is a, a film grinder, thought, said he thought mm-hmm. TJ Edwards was playing at a Pro Bowl level. I mean, I, I don't think I'm... Fen- I'm- Fennel's loved TJ Edwards as a day you walk into the building. <laughs> okay. Fennel and I have on Edwards for, whatever, four years now at this point? All right. Uh, so I'm not quite that high, but I mean, linebacker has been a strength, not a weakness for this team, in my opinion, for the first time in you think uh, strength yeah i, I think I, I wouldn't say like they're i'm not gonna say they're like among like the top five groups but i would say uh they've played at an above average level this year i mean i don't go through a lot of these games saying oh the linebackers uh were a liability here or they cost them with negative plays i mean that is very rarely the case with these two guys so uh maybe what, let's uh, what, what would what, rank eagles defensive position groups strongest to weakest Defensive tackle and corner safety linebacker. I'm ambushing you. It's a Thursday 11. All right. Rank position groups strongest to weakest this year. This year. I mean, normally I probably, you know, defensive, you want want edge versus tackle or just defensive line? You can do it either way. I just am curious where your head's at. No, I mean, I would probably put linebacker, I would put linebackers above, probably above safety, I think. I'm already out. No. No, now I'm becoming an F's defender. I don't know, I don't know about this. Well, I'm Gardner Johnson has been very average this year. I don't think he's played at an above average okay, level. Okay, what about Kaiser White? I Do think I he's saying Kaiser. Yeah, I think he's. Been, I would put him as above average this year. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Kaiser as. Okay, as, as above I average disagree. Year, yeah. I would say Kaiser White and uh, T.J. Edwards have both been above average linebackers. I would say Chauncey Gardner Johnson has been. I see you tweeting. I see you on. Are you tweeting something? I uh, I would put Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Don't don't tag Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He'll come after me uh, on this. Um, I would say he's had an average year despite the interception numbers. Although I thought he did a lot of good things in this. He was very physical uh, in this game. And I would say uh, Epps has been. I would put Epps at a similar level to like Edwards and Kaiser White. Now, this is this year. I think if you put them all on the open market after the season, Gardner Johnson is probably getting like the best deal out of any of those four guys. So, all right, that's okay. We disagree on uh, on that. But just, I don't see like a, 
I mean, putting a Kobe Dean on the field, like you're excited about him, but I don't know. I mean, the chances to me, the chances of him being an upgrade on what you have as a, well, he was a third round pick, right? I mean, a third round pick rookie yeah. coming in and playing at a better level than these guys specifically this late in the season, you know, like, you, yeah, there's you, no reason to make it. If you didn't sprinkle him in, in September, I don't think you're doing that now, barring uh, an injury. So just keep an eye on him in the future. Maybe he'll be an exciting player. All right. Number five. HR, this was a good one. I actually wanted to spend more time on this one, and I kind of just thought about it 10 seconds before the podcast, so we'll see what you say. HR asks, after 10 games, the, we are 9-1, he says. Same record as 2017. If the 2022 Birds played the 2017 Birds after their respective 10 games, so that would mean Carson Wentz is your quarterback, uh, that version of Carson Wentz, though, who would win? Thanks. Love the pod. And shout out to everybody who included Love the Pod uh, in your questions today. You are quick learners. I'm sorry for those of you we didn't get to, but it's still going to yeah. give you a better shot than the other people. Uh, this is really tough. This is tough. This, it was yeah. really tough. I was going back and forth. It's very, the, the offensive similarities are fascinating, right? In terms of 2017 being the year that, like, you know, like Doug comes from Kansas City and they're kind of doing the RPO thing. I'm like, oh, this is really easy. Like, we can just throw a speed out whenever we want. It's kind of sick. Like, they were, like, kind of, you know, on the brink of the discovery. And then these 2022 Eagles who were like, yeah, this is the whole offense, baby. We're living here, right? <laughs> so the, the similarities there are very interesting. The quality of the offensive lines also, right? Like, uh, Peters goes down this year, but Big V steps in. And then Wisniewski's playing a left guard and Wisniewski's playing at a solid level. But like this was the Kelsey Brooks lane year where they just like never oh, lost a run off the right side. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so that offense against this offense, a lot of similarities. Uh, this The 2022 offense running game probably helps them a lot, especially against the defense because the defenses are so different, <clears throat> right? Jim Schwartz, attack. <laughs> we were going to initiate. We were going to be aggressive. And then John Gannon, just sit back. <laughs> Wait for a mistake. I would love to hear a conversation between those two on defensive philosophy. I mean, Schwartz might attack him at some point during that conversation. (laughs) Compete! (laughs) Um, I think 2017 wins because I think they can pressure Hurts. And I think when you've seen Hurts struggle, it's been when he's forced to move in the pocket early and kind of manage pressure and everything like that. So I think it's 2017, but it's a really close and it's a really fun game. That's where I landed. And I think most of it is due to, we know what happened with that 2017. Like if that team went out in the second round of the playoffs, then I might be like, Oh, 20, I think the 2022 team is more talented. I mean, They've got better now if they're playing this Sunday versus week 16 when they might have got it back. I guess that wasn't uh, sort of clarified here, but they're better at wide receiver. I'm with you. Give me the 2017 offensive line. Defensive line is tough, but like, let's not forget how good Fletcher Cox was in 2017, and they yeah. still had Brandon Graham, they still had Chris Long, and they had Tim Jernigan. Like That was still a very good defensive line. So I think I would give the uh, 2017 the edge up front. You look at corner and wide receiver, it's not really close in terms of talent. I mean, this team is more talented uh, on the perimeter than that group was. Uh, I mean, Jim Schwartz, again, yeah, I know you you knock him sometimes. Give me, a, give me a defensive coordinator who can produce a top five defense with Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, and Patrick Robinson as his quarterback. Darby was good at that time. Darby was a solid I mean, He player. wouldn't tackle anybody, but yes, he could cover. Yes. That's, nope. a, that's, that's every quarter under the it, sun. It, well, and, and as I said with Darby, the thing with Darby was, always, well, the coverage was good. He just lost at the catch point. I mean, that was like a yeah, every, right. every, every <laughs> other was, week. Very frequent refrain. <laughs> every I, other week. Uh, Going back looking at that roster reminded me of the season that Jenkins had, man. Oh, that was, was the other thing. I just saw Jenkins and I'm like, player. I'm giving the 2017 team. 
I know. This team doesn't you have Jenkins. If, if, if Jenkins played in this defense with how much they like ask of their safeties, like getting the guy in the box, like the ability to play the nickel and then beat the nickel into the fit, Eagles would be number one defense. I don't care. I don't even know where they're ranked right now. Eagles would be top of the book if you could get Jenkins on this team. Yeah, Jen- Jenkins definitely. I was doing the same thing. I went through the roster and I'm like, oh. That team had Jenkins. I'm probably going to go uh, with it. I think I trust that coaching staff more. I mean, listen, this coaching staff has done a good job, but that was like an all-time coaching job, what they did in the playoffs uh, with Nick Foles there. So it's a good good question. Uh, I wasn't sure if we would land on the same team. We both went with the 2017 team. All right. Question number six, kill a cow asks, did Sirianni... Oh, I love Killa. Yeah, you got to love kill a cow. Did Sirianni coach erratically because he was out for revenge for how Indy treated Frank Reich. How can he cool his jets for higher leverage games in the playoffs? And I think this is something we probably didn't talk enough about this in the postgame pod, but yeah, it was a messy game management game. Like all the stuff we talked about with the last drive, it probably would have made more sense if there was some kind of like rhyme or reason to what, right, exactly. like we could probably, like well, if, if they were yeah. Just, yeah. If they were that, just that, using like, yeah, clock like, or didn't make a call a play before two minutes, then, you know, we could have just, oh yeah, they were just trying to run clock and minimize, but they weren't doing that, which makes it all messy right. and confusing and like well what exactly were you doing he defended his uh two-minute warning decision which uh, i still can make no sense of he said yeah we wanted to get two shots of it one is you draw them off sides the other is with the actual play i saw someone uh make the point and it's a good one that like are we sure that in that situation you're more likely to draw them off sides than false start like it is more likely but is it that much more likely that it's worth taking the risk and using a timeout there uh i didn't get that they had a field goal they went for on fourth and goal from the fourth four and, yeah yeah which we did which was an odd decision for them who they've been uh pretty aggressive calling the play before the two minute warning so they were kind of all over the place and then you see him now we have the audio of him yelling that that was for frank reich uh just yelling at it to the stance after the game so uh we haven't talked much about Sirianna's game management because it's been pretty good all season long this is like the First time, what do you think? Just a, a bad game? Was he too fired up? He is a bit of, I mean, he is a maniac. Let's be honest. Uh, you can love him. Part of yes. what you love about him is the guy's a maniac. He's jumping on the bleachers yelling, that was for Frank Reich at the end of a, at the end of a game. What, what do you make of it? The, just the absolute pander king, man. I just, I, I, I think it, that part is genuine. I think that's who he is. He's like a little the, the, nuts. Right. And maybe. Maybe like pander right is the wrong word because pander has like built into it some, you know, uh, uh, ingenuousness. But like that's what it is. Like there's nothing Sirianni wants more than to like love a team and have a team that loves him and have brotherhood and yes. a city of brotherhood and have the fans and love the yeah. fans. Like, like I think if you like, like Sirianni right now, like, hey, would you rather have a guaranteed Super Bowl win? or guaranteed like the team has a great time all year. He'd go, well, if the team has a great time all year, we're winning the Super Bowl anyway, so I'll pick number two. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, let's do it as brothers, you know? Like, and Which is awesome. Like, it's so much fun. It's just when you watch him, like, you know, on your couch, drinking your hot chocolate under three blankets, like, that guy's nuts. <laughs> he's just crazy. Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely think, right, like, as we kind of interrogate this last drive, but then also expand the scope to the rest of the game, I think more and more it's like, well, yeah, like, I feel like the, it, it's – about the coaching staff and it's about the decisions that they that they made across the course of this game their comfort and short yardage how they manage their timeouts and and we're learning a lot about the eagles in these two games washington and indianapolis in which they were trailing they were trailing the fourth quarter kind of how they behave how they manage the clock and what that's going to look like so yes erratic i do think probably like it you know sirianni definitely had some like you know he said this is for frank like this win is for frank which is like 
a bold thing to say when you won on like the last play. <laughs> he took the lead for the first time with like a minute and a half left. Uh, so I, I do think the emotions are there to a degree. And that's always an important thing, right? Like people ask why coaches make fourth down decisions by the analytics and then why they don't and kind of what changes. You just Coaches are humans. They're vibes oriented. The ringer pod vibes. They, uh, they make mistakes. And so I think that emotions is, is a decent part of it. But we'll see what it continues to look like. It's something to, to track for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm going to mark it as a one-off where he just sort of like lost it on one afternoon uh, in Indy. Uh, but it is something to keep an eye on, especially in some of these big games. I mean, those moments become more and more important. All right, question number seven, maybe my favorite question we've gotten in a mail back from Birds fan. Three-word question, are we frauds? <laughs> yes. <laughs> After the last so, two games, Right, so I this is it. funny because in the email it said, are we frauds? But it you, you listed who is it's from, and it says Birds fans. And yeah. so I wasn't sure if it was, are we frauds, i.e. Eagles, or are we frauds, uh, i.e. Eagles fans? No, no, I think I he like, meant the team. Yeah, the team. Yeah. No. Uh, we're not what, you know undefeated through 10 weeks implied we were right and like that's that's the nature of undefeated teams is they're usually lucky like just like the vikings when they were one loss team are lucky and the giants as a two loss team are lucky and kind of you know they've had their losses like embarrassing to the cowboys embarrassing loss to the lions like it's just you know it wins tend to to erase from our minds the mistakes losses tend to erase from our minds the good plays the truth is always somewhere in the middle in the nfl it's a highly competitive league with a ton of chaos to it so the eagles are still contenders i mean again if the eagles handle business Win, you know, win some, lose some, win some uh, coin flips, lose some coin flips. They're still in line out of the one seed. And you get the one seed, then you get two home playoff games to get, make it to the Super Bowl. And anybody can win two, two home games, man. I mean, the Lions just won two road games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it, you get to the playoffs and get yourself one less game than everybody else. You, you're, you're, you're a contender by default. Doesn't really matter what your teams look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, we just talked about that 2017 team. Just get hot and go. So the Eagles are absolutely contenders because they're going to make the playoffs. And it looks like right now they're going to have one less game than everybody else. Absolutely still contenders, just team has issues. Every team does. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's just rare that you're not going to go through 17 games without a period like this. I mean, it, I remember the Rams towards the end of last year. I'm going, there's no way this team's winning the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford is throwing like five passes every week that could be intercepted. Other teams are dropping them, and then they get hot there. So, like, the record doesn't sometimes isn't the only thing, but at the same time, when it means having one fewer game, like you mentioned, than every other team, it is meaningful. You know me, I like to look at the betting markets here. They're still the favorites in the NFC at plus 220. The Niners are plus 340. The Cowboys are plus 460. Now, a couple interesting things with the NFC playoff picture. One is the site Unpredictable ranks based on the betting markets who would be favored on a neutral field. And for the first time, the Niners inched right ahead of them. They wouldn't even be favored by a full point, but the Niners would be slight. Fa- it's almost exactly even, yeah. but the Niners would be slight favorites over them on a neutral field. So I thought that was interesting. And the Cowboys have now passed them in DVOA, which I think we should remember DVOA really can fluctuate big time week to week based on some of these results. The Cowboys had a huge win over the Vikings and they're now second in DVOA and the Eagles are fourth in DVOA. So, I think they're right there. I think they're contenders. I think they're going to fix some of these issues. They're still relatively healthy. I mean, the Dallas Goddard and Devontae Maddox and Jordan Davis, yeah, those are injuries. Look at some of these other teams in the NFL. The Eagles are still in a good spot there, and they have the fifth easiest upcoming schedule in the NFL. So I think they're in good shape. They're not frauds. All right. Packers question from Colin, number eight. Which Aaron is the bigger threat Rodgers or Jones and I guess we can just have a brief conversation about what kind of Packers team is coming into town Benjamin 
Jones is the bigger threat uh, because I think the teams that have had success against the Eagles recently have been doing so running the football. That, and when the Packers have had success on offense, uh, they've done so running the football, right? What they try to be uh, against the Titans, what they were against the Cowboys, right? Like uh, the uh, the late game against, not the Chiefs, some other really good contending team they played, Bills. I can't recall. Bill, thank second you, Bills. Thank you. the Bills. Yeah, 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 second half versus the Bills. I appreciate it. So when they've been a, a, a good team, they've been a good team running the football. Uh, they run that that. Uh, outside zone, and they have a talented offensive line. It's it's been shaky to start the year, but it's getting better. Uh, and and they have like the tight ends, and they have the scheme, and the RPOs off it, and the play action off of it. Where if you just kind of get focused in on the pass, the running game will beat you up. Uh, so it's Jones you're more concerned about. Uh, Aaron Rodgers this year, man. I mean, I just, it's just he's not playing well. Uh, he's throwing the ball well, uh, but he is not interested in making great decisions. He doesn't manage space the way that he should in terms of the pocket and like he doesn't like hang on to it and try to create as much as he used to he's kind of just dumping the ball off and just getting mad at receivers for not being perfect and it's just it's not a good it's not appropriate it's not the way the offense needs to work uh so I, I to me i'm more scared of jones rogers you know is gonna throw a dart in the fourth quarter 60 yard catch and run touchdown it's gonna make me eat my words but as of right now jones that's the thing he he still and so he can fool you because he can make three to four throws a game where you're just like, that is vintage Aaron Rodgers. How many guys in the league can make that throw? Oh my God, that's ridiculous. That's sick. And it gets circulated. And then you watch the whole game and you're just like, ooh, this is very uneven and ugly. I thought his last game against the Titans, you know, that might've been his worst game of the season. It was one of his worst games of the season. He's dealing with this thumb injury on his uh, right hand. I don't know if that's getting worse or whether it was just on a short week that impacted him more but uh, yeah he hasn't played well they don't have the weapons at wide receiver wide receiver Christian Watson has made some plays the rookie over the last two weeks other than that you're looking at Alan Lazard Randall Cobb I mean given who you yeah. have at corner these are guys Randall Cobb looking looking young as 2014 yeah. in that most recent game They're that's right around. he made some catches intermediate and yeah. well you know what yeah you're right I was joking about it but Josiah Scott has you know he had some moments, but overall, you look at a lot of the passing plays they've given up the last few weeks, a lot of them have been on Josiah Scott. So that actually is a matchup to keep an eye on. But yeah, I think they decided at some point that we need to run the ball. And even in that win against the Cowboys, I think Aaron Rodgers was 14 for 20. And so they're not just saying, hey, go win the game for us. He's often frustrated uh, during this, these games. So I, I would fully expect the Packers to come out and try to run the ball. And you're right, they're, uh, they're top five in rushing efficiency and their offensive line is healthier than it was earlier in the season. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. All right, question number nine. This is from Nick. I think he's asked it a few times. So I'm like, all right, let's get it in here. Why isn't bald Batman and baby Batman sticky? I don't know. We can't answer that. I, I feel like it's on us. I feel like we don't Think use so? it enough. Well, we're not yeah. supposed to use it. We, I, I mean, I would assume in this case, I am bald Batman and you're baby Batman, correct? Yes. Yeah, so what are we going to speak be. in the third person and just say, hey, bald Batman and baby Batman uh, are doing a mailbag tomorrow. Get this your questions This is what you do whenever you intro and outro a pod. I've been Shokapati. He's been Ben Solak. You All name right. the people. Uh, well, think of it, right? If we want it to stick, like... It's not like we do like a radio show where people can call in and be like, "Is baby, baby ball Batman?" Like you know, we're the only ones who talk in this, John. So if we wanted it to be a thing, we got to say it a lot. 
I'm not super committed to baby Batman, however. <laughs> that to me is not, you know, that's that's basically just a level below Robin. I'm not sure I accept. Um, so that's probably why it's struggling to stick. Yeah, I don't have a great answer for you, Nick. Listen, if the people, if that's what the people want, then you let us know and we can incorporate it. But we need to, there needs to be some sort of groundswell uh, for it. Cliff, producer Cliff loves it, he says. So there you go, Nick. You got one person on board and Cliff knows like 94% of the Philadelphia population, 97% of Eagles fans. So he's probably the person you want to talk to. He could get it to spread very quickly. All right. Question number 10. It's prediction time. Oh my gosh. What is my record against the spread for Eagles games? If I could just pick a freaking Eagles game right this year, or just be 500, my picks column, I'd be so much better. I okay, can't get a so game right to save my life with the Eagles. You go first this week then, because is, I keep going. Do first. you usually go first? The, All right. I, I have the, no uh, confidence. The, a value of, of fading you. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a smart move. All right. Eagles are seven point favorites now, according to FanDuel. The over-under is 46 and a half. I still like this Eagles team. I think they'll see some of the stuff the Colts did last week and say, okay, we need change-ups. Change we need answers for some of that. At the same time, not having Goddard is a big deal. I don't know that A.J. Brown is operating at 100%, so I don't know that the – and we you mentioned with Landon Dickerson. There's some more concerns I've had than I've had, you know, that I might have had a few weeks ago with their offense, even though I'm not really that impressed with the Packers' defense. Other side of the ball – I mean, for what I saw from Linnell Joseph, I'm like, they're going to be fine against the run, but that was one game against one of the worst offenses in the NFL. So I think they'll hold up well. I don't think they'll be like lights out where they completely shut down the Packers. Honestly, this will come to it as a surprise to no one. I have no feel on this game. At first, I was like, I think they might come out and just kill the Packers. The Packers are ready to just be buried. They're ready for their season to be over with. And then I say, well, you know what? Eagles probably haven't earned that trust the last two weeks, and the Packers still have like a 15% chance to make the playoff. So this is, a, as, a, as a, the podfather would say, a kitchen sink game where they should be breaking everything out to try to win this game and just live another week. So I settled on the Eagles winning, but I sell, settled on it being a competitive game where they do not cover the seven points. So I like the Packers plus seven. I'm going to go final score at Eagles 24 Packers 20 in what is a pretty fun, pretty competitive game Sunday night at Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, Eagles covering, no doubt in my mind. Okay, um, I like it. Well, this is just because I'm fading you at this point. Oh, we'll just good move. see how this goes. Smart. Um, now, in the event that the Eagles cover, I think it's because the the Packers score like 10, 13 points, right? I think that, that this defense, uh, with the defensive line additions, has the, the ability to go back to what they've been against teams to just keep them to roughly like a 17, 14 point outcome uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, I also think they have the ability to pressure Rodgers. Rodgers, like I said, not good off script, not good escaping, not good buying time against pressure the way he has been. And this Packers line is not what it used to be. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles have a really, really good game against a quarterback who's pretty tethered to the pocket. Uh, obviously against Matt Ryan, not in a super high sack numbers. Ryan was getting rid of the ball super duper quickly. Uh, when the Packers do that, they don't really throw like, slants and flats and curls and like at least get the ball a little bit down the field they tend to throw like behind line of scrimmage yes and then for a gannon defense that's feast right it's exactly what you want to see and then you just go kind of rally tackle and hit uh so i think it's gonna, i do think it's gonna be low scoring for the packers i'm not sold that the offense has figured out all of their issues right and so like if i were picking this thing earnestly i'd be more on like the 20 to 13 you know 19 to 13 area however i think the eagles cover because you don't so i'll give it you know i'll go 24 to 13 eagles beat the packers 
There you go. 24 to 13, 24 to 20. It could all come down to whether they get the miracle touch <laughs> the cover time, at the yeah, garbage yeah. time cover at the end. That could be exciting. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. We will be back Sunday late night, late night pod Sunday night to cap off Thanksgiving weekend. We will talk about it then, and we will talk to everybody soon on the Ringers Philly special. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.